This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom, mask making comic book store co owning podcaster <laughs> in this podcasting game. This is episode 104, and I got a lot of, I'm like heavy on announcements this time around, so I'm going to try to get through them as fast as possible so we can get into this episode. My episode this week is from a recording from back in May. So as I told you all last week, I had a few people that I had interviewed in May before the civil unrest and uprising started, and then I wanted to focus on that during the month of June, Um, So and then I went on hiatus in July. So I'm Going back to those episodes and uh, Penelope, her file got corrupted. So we re-recorded. That's what you heard last week. This one did not get corrupted. So I'm going to go ahead and air it for you. And it's really kind of strange when you listen back to a conversation that you recorded like four months ago. And the fact that even four months have passed this quickly is a whole nother thing. Um, Because I kind of forgot how good of a conversation we had. We talked a little bit about being sort of a walking poster child for mixedness wherever you go as a mixed person, especially if you live in an environment where it's predominantly white or predominantly another color than what you walk around looking like. So we talked a little bit about that. And we talked about we talked about what is black Canadianness, which tends to be sort of a hodgepodge of black American urban culture and uh, West Indian culture predominantly. They. Uh, We talked a little bit about trying to pick out what is the distinct aspects of Canadian blackness up there. But that's kind of where we got started. Covered a little bit about the treatment of indigenous folks up there as well. And um, it was a really, like like I said, we talked about a lot of stuff. So it was a really good conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing with y'all. But let's get into the announcements because there's a lot of them. So first thing. Last week, I told y'all that for the better part of the last year, I have been building this company with my friend and business partner, Byron Kennedy. Uh, Byron and I met in uh, business school. We went to the same entertainment business program, and uh, we've been friends ever since. One day, he and I get on the phone together just having a conversation. We end up chatting about our dream kind of thing. Like, I guess I I think I started out the conversation by saying like this company that I want to start and blah, 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 blah. This is all the things I want to do. And it just so happens that when I was sharing all this information with him about my dream, about what kind of comic book store I wanted to open one day, um, he was already in the throes of a program that was helping him build a company very similar to what I was describing to him in Houston. 
So as we got to talking about it, we decided to partner up instead of me trying to do this on my own here in LA and him doing it on his own in Houston, especially because in Houston, he had a way bigger support system than I did here for it. So he took what was my dream that would probably take me five or six years into the future before I could even come close to doing it and reduce that down to little over a year because he was already doing a program very similar to what I was hoping to do one day. We partnered up and over the past year, we have been building towards this. We wanted to open the doors physically on our store, Gulf Coast Cosmos, in August 2020, which is where we're sitting right now. And as y'all know, the Rona kicked in, threw us off our plans, but not off our game. So we retooled our business plan and we got together to be able to launch our web store in August instead of the physical space. And we'll open the physical space in 2020 when it's a little bit safer, hopefully, uh, for us to do that. So on Saturday, August 15th, which is this coming Saturday, uh, golfcoastcosmos.com will be up and running and you will be able to actually buy physical comic books from us through our website. Um, I'm really excited about the way we're starting also because we've partnered with Black Indie Comics Distro and we will be sharing predominantly black and brown created comics in the first few weeks of the store. Now we have applied to all the major distributors that handle Marvel, DC, Image, etc. But those will come through probably sometime in September. So for now, we want to open up sharing the books of people who will look like a lot of us probably who listen to this show. Uh, where you're actually going to see characters that may look a little bit like you for a change, which is pretty much on brand for me. Uh, but I'm really excited that we're being able to do that. Our comic book store is a Black-owned comic book store. We are going to be in a predominantly Black neighborhood in Houston. Um, and we have the support system of the Emancipation Economic Development Council in Houston. Uh, so it just makes sense that when we launch, we're launching with predominantly black and brown created comics. Um, eventually, there'll be toys on the site as well. And of course, branded logo stuff, which if I know I'm biased because it's my shop, but I really think our logo is dope as hell. And so I think you'll you'll want to get a t-shirt with it with the logo on it. I don't know. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's Saturday, August 15th, golfcoastcosmos.com. I will put a link in the show notes to that if you do want to come through and support us that way. Additionally, we're actually still running our t-shirt fundraiser through Custom Inc. So if you want to drop us a donation or buy our t-shirt towards our fundraiser to help us with sort of the finishing costs of getting our web store up and running, uh, you can go to customink.com and either search for Gulf Coast Cosmos that way, or you can go to the link in the show notes and, and find it that way as well. And also, if you're into comics or if you're just into supporting Black-owned business or supporting me even, if you follow us on all the social medias, that's helpful too. So it is at GCC Comics for Twitter and Instagram, and I think also for our Facebook page, but you can also just search Gulf Coast Cosmos Comic Book Co. And, and we'll pop up on Facebook. So follow us on all social medias. We also have a YouTube channel. We're trying to claim our vanity handle for that as well. So if you want to go over to that and subscribe for us, that'll help us get there. Right now on our YouTube channel and most of our social media, we do have videos that will kind of discuss certain books that are coming up and things like that. But that'll become more robust with interviews with comic creators and things like that over time. 
our store is not just going to be a comic book store. It is actually, you know, it's going to be a community space. We are partnering with Houston Elementary Schools to do a reading literacy through comics program. Uh, in the nearest future will be read-alongs that are done through video streams. And then we're also going to be offering STEAM programming, which will hopefully heighten interest, heighten knowledge into all these other things and, and expand uh, the horizons of kids with this programming that like, I would have loved to have as, as a kid, but didn't. Uh, so I'm excited about this. Addition to that, I keep saying addition to that, don't I? We have built into our shop when we do get to physically open. We are going to be having a studio space there so that I can continue the podcast production and Byron can continue his video production companies, which we both do separately anyway. Uh, we just built it into our plan so that we wouldn't have to slow down on the things that we love to do outside of the comic book store as well. So it is a very robust space and we have a major buy-in from the community that we're going to be located in. And through Militantly Mix and Blurred Comics and Black Radical Queer, my shows that I either produce or host and produce, uh, the support system that I have through y'all as well. I've been getting messages throughout the week since I started to talk publicly about being a member of Gulf Coast Cosmos, encouraging me to keep going and to hopefully slow down enough so that I can enjoy myself. Um a lot of people asking me, when can I buy books and stuff like that? So I just want to thank you because I know that a lot a lot of you don't know me in person. You just know me as a voice on your podcast player every week, but that you're here to support me and my endeavors in addition to continue to support the show. It just, it really, really means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm so happy and proud of this community that we've created together through Militantly Mixed that you're willing to see beyond just this podcast into the other things that I get myself involved in um, to support those things as well. Be it the Bell Project or Black Lives Matter or now my comic book shop or my mask making company, <laughs> which was an accident, but it's it's a legit thing now. I really, really do appreciate y'all support and um, and I'm just excited to be on this on this journey. I really am. Um, the mask making, I am currently making a batch of donation masks for the Asian Americans for Housing and Environmental Justice Organization, which is based out of here in Los Angeles. Our guest from a previous episode called Intersectional AF, Camila, she her and her family run this organization here through Koreatown and South Central with services, senior citizens in the black and Korean neighborhoods um, surrounding that area. So I'm making a batch of donation masks, some of which I'm, I'm donating, some of which have been purchased for the purpose of donating through my shop, MasksByMain.com. So if you go to that shop and you just want to buy a mask to be donated to somebody, you can do that through my shop or you can buy a mask for yourself either way. And so when I do actually donate them to the various organizations that are going to be getting them, I will write a note of this mask was donated by and put your name on it just um, so that people know that, it, you know, there's people out there that are caring and thinking about them as well. Um, I'm going to post some pictures of those once I get them complete, but I'm, I'm finishing up the batch right now. Uh, so if you want to support Asian Americans for Housing and Environmental Justice, they do have a Facebook page, which you can just type in Asian Americans for Housing and Environmental Justice. I'll also put a link in the show notes. You can support them that way by following them. Um, or if you want to help with uh, the donation masks, you can go to masksbymain.com, click on the donation masks uh, thing, buy one of those, and I'll get those out to them. I'm hoping to have the batch for them completed by next weekend so that I can send it out to them. Um, I think that's it for those announcements. Uh, oh, 
one thing I'm really excited about. I kind of talked about this before, but it's actually finalized and everything now. Um, on the third Thursday of every month, beginning in August, so August 20th, I will be hosting a live stream at 5 p.m. Pacific, and it'll be a panel discussion on a various topic within Mixedness. The first one that is going to happen on August 20th is with someone that you're already familiar with if you've been listening to the show, Liz Everett. Uh, she was a guest on Militantly Mixed a couple months ago, and her best friend, Aisha Hunter. They are both black, white, biracial women. They are best friends. They are in the fashion industry and they have been a major support system for each other throughout their adulthood. And so we want to talk about what it's like being a support system for each other as mixed race women. And the other thing is they have opposite appearances. One appears to be like a light skinned black woman. The other one appears to be like a, a white woman with maybe something else going on in her. Uh, so to, to kind of, to both be black, white, biracial women with different appearances and different upbringings and finding a way to, first of all, finding each other, which is great. I would, I would love to have a, a mixed race best friend in the same way that these two do. Uh, but these women are so supportive of each other. So I'm really excited to have them as my first guests on the live stream. And the audio for those live streams will eventually be available on the show as well. And then every month, there'll be a different topic and a different panel. You'll probably start seeing some folks that you've heard from before on the show, just like with Liz. But hopefully I'll get some new folks out there that you haven't met yet through the show as well. Um, so I'm excited about that. So stay tuned. Thursday, August 20th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, we will have a live stream. And of course, because it's YouTube, it'll be there even after um, the live stream is done in case you want to, to actually watch us. I, I promised, I have been promising for a long time to do more video content. I'm not shy, but I'm just not used to being in front of the camera because I spent most of my career behind the camera. So I'm getting used to it. But it's such a fun time doing Decenter. The, on July 1st, the, the panel discussion with Allison Hart and Teresa Stovall and Sonia Smith-King and Richard B. Pierre. I had such a good time doing that that I the bug bit me right away. I'm like, I'm doing this going forward. Uh, so I was able to, to get some folks together to participate in my first one. And I'm ready. I'm just ready and excited to do that as well. So stay tuned for that. And I think that's pretty much it. I don't have any new Patreon sponsors to shout out. But if you would like to become a Patreon sponsor, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed and you can donate for as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. And there are different reward levels depending on uh, what you choose. And some of the video content that I do offline, I will share there before I share it to the public. Um, so that can be a, a bonus for the people who support us that way. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Talked about Gulf Coast, talked about the masks, talked about the live stream panels. Yeah, I think we're good to go. So my guest this week is Rob WB. He was connected through, we or we connected through John Corbin, our first cousin, John Corbin, who y'all are familiar with. Another, a fellow black, white, biracial Canadian, and they're both in the rap scene up there. So that's how they know each other. And that's how I was connected to him. Uh, it's a really good conversation. Like I said, it's kind of strange to hear back after several months of recording, but um, but I think it was a really great conversation. So I hope y'all appreciate it. At the end of the episode, he does mention his social media handles, which I will also put in the show notes. But he told me yesterday that he is considering starting a podcast connected to his Facebook group. So he's going to be doing a podcast related to that. So if this ends up being, if you like what you hear from him in this episode and you want to know more, please follow him on his social media so that you can find out when that gets started. And of course, once I hear about it, I'll, I'll mention it to y'all as well. Um, but I think that's it. So without further ado, 
please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Rob W.B. recommended to each other by John Corbin from episode one. And my guest today is Rob WB. Rob, why don't you tell everybody about yourself and let's get into it. So my name is Rob Williamson Bino. I'm a pastor in uh, Oshawa, which is outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. For those people who don't know where Toronto is, we should know where Toronto is, right? Raptors now. Anyways, um, I am mixed because, uh, well, not because, I guess on my mom's side, <laughs> generations of white. And um, she, she connected with my dad. Um, he didn't know his dad, so there's a big question mark there. And his mom came up from the States as uh, a black woman in the States. So that's me. Okay. So you, you have black American roots, and that's pretty much the, where it starts. You don't, you don't, know, beyond, you don't know from there. Well, it's it funny. From. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday who's from Montreal, then um, moved out to Florida. He's got a West Indian background, but we talked about what is Canadian culture? What is Canadian black culture? Mm-hmm. And because we're such a, a young nation, uh, our influence is either from whatever islands we've come from right, or from the U.S. And even though his influence was from the islands, his mom was Jamaican, uh, he still considered himself to be, his, his strongest influence to be the U.S. And, and he lives in Florida now. Mm. And in my case in particular, I lived, grew up on an Air Force base in North Bay, which is four hours directly north of Toronto. Um, and my influence was the American soldiers who came from all over the place in the States. Right. And so I sort of took on this um, American, Black American sort right. of uh, persona, culture, whatever you want to call it, because that's what my influence was. And of course, you're a Lakers you- fan. Lakers fan. <laughs> and anytime you, every time you turn on the TV, it's Black American TV, right? right. So that that builds into your culture and identity as a, as a Black person. What is Black Canadian? Like, what what would you put your finger on as being like? You can tell this is a Black Canadian experience versus, say, American Black. Well, if you uh, have urban influence, like Toronto, for the most part, you know, maybe Mississauga. Let, let's just go with Toronto to make it easy. You're, you're going to have sort of this, this island influence, whether it's Jamaican or whether okay. it's from Trinidad, one of these things. That's going to be incorporated into sort of your, your uh, colloquial talk and urban speak or whatever you want to call it. That's huge with Americans. So, and we have, a, we have a distinctive accent that, you know, it's hard for me to discern when I hear it, but other people say, yeah, you're not American. You're not from I the island. I can hear it, yeah. It. Yeah. So, so there's that. And I remember one time I was having a conversation with this, with this woman, she was, uh, I, I called in for, um, I don't know, to get my phone fixed or whatever. And uh, I could tell that she was a black Canadian by the way she was speaking. Oh. And she goes, oh, how do you know that? Because she lives on the East Coast, Nova Scotia, it's the East Coast of Canada. And I said, I can tell by your, the way that you speak, you know, you, it, it's distinctively Canadian. So I guess yeah. in a way you can't, you can't discern it. But again, it's not, it's not as hard as, as an American accent, especially like, from Texas or New York yeah. or something like that. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. 
Because I, I, John and I kind of talked about this a little bit in the multiple conversations he and I had, but um, that kind of pinpointing Canadian blackness is still kind of a bit of a mystery. Because like here in the States, you have your very distinct black codes. You got your, your hood code, which is where I grew up. You got your Southern black code. You got your East Coast black code. And then you got your East Coast hood versus your West Coast hood as being very yeah. distinct and different things. And then you got your kind of yeah. Midwestern or, you know, south of canada north you know northern american uh areas or whatever that that kind of have a different thing too but like you can almost tell by talking to people i know where in america you are from was was mm-hmm. because we don't get that much exposure to to canadian you know culture besides say drake and uh what was that high school tv show that ever degrassi like that's pretty yeah. much and then we got like kids in the hall and you can't do this on television that's like the extent of oh, our Canadian. I, love that show. I I'm glad you brought that oh that's so good i aged myself so on that good. one too i know i tell no, everybody i'm 42 all. all the time but you can tell that's how old good. i am when i drop that one so that's like that our, yeah. that's our access to canada that's legit like what we know we know we get a bunch yeah. of actors and musicians from y'all yeah and then they yeah. lose yeah. their canadian Drew accent and, yeah well, and to be honest with you, the Canadian, the, the typical black Canadian accent is the same right across the nation. I mean, I don't think there's oh, much, really? of, and, and unless there's an incorporation, like East Coasters, they sound, it's, just, it's as distinctive as people from Boston. You can tell right. that they have a Bostonian accent. If you're from the East Coast, you, you definitely have that distinctive accent. Okay. So if you're black and you live in those areas, you, you sort of will assimilate to that sort of talk and dialect and whatever. But if you're trying to, you know, stay away from that and represent your Canadianness, uh, then again, you gravitate towards a West Indian culture of influence or, or an American one. So if, if you're Black Canadian and mm-hmm. you don't know if you have a West Indian origin, what's your... You just assimilate. You assimilate to what, okay. to what I would consider to be white culture. Because I've, I've traveled around and I'd, you know, I'd meet this random person, Black person in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. where he's literally the only black person and you know he will sound like everybody else he'll sound like all the other white people mm. but the unfortunate thing is they expect him you know when hip-hop music comes on that he's gonna dance or oh, you no. know he's gonna be the one with, you know he's a he's a token black person he's gonna he's gonna personify all of the black stereotypes that white people have ever ever been exposed to and they want to drop on him so that that's very frustrating yeah i imagine having come from a town like that and being okay sing dance you know it's like mm. so right we we did talk about you come from a predominantly white area and being kind of one of the few black families or mixed black families and of all your siblings you code the most say urban black i'd have to say i mean yeah i think that's pretty accurate i mean it's it's something that's become part of my identity, something that I've always gravitated toward and I've sort of built into uh, more so than allow just society to, and culture to build into me in terms of steer me a certain direction. I've always mm-hmm. gravitated toward black culture and in black music and all these things that are a reflection again of, again, American blackism, if, if you want to look at it yeah. that way, what it is to be, you know, uh, American, because that's for my identity, it helped me to, to build my confidence to, okay, this is, this is who I'm representing. This is, this mm-hmm. is who I want to, uh, this is who I want to reflect in, in me. And it's just, it's just taken naturally. 
Right. And honestly, in, in my interactions with you, I wouldn't necessarily ask you from looking at you or interacting with you if you were mixed. I would, as, I, you know, you would either be a light skinned black person to me or you would be directly mixed, but I wouldn't necessarily pick it out. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. I just got off watching the episode of uh, Mixed Dish where uh, the main character, oh, I forget her Rainbow. Name. Rainbow, right? She, uh, she 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 wanted to identify as mixed. But no, I'm not. I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm mixed. But she mm-hmm. wanted she wanted that box. She literally drew that box on a piece of paper. And then they were at the mall. Uh, security guard booked them for what you know what he perceived them as shop shoplifting, and mm-hmm. she was like lumped in with the rest of them and three other dark skinned sisters and her. And she's like, well, wait a minute. And then she got a bit of an awakening. She, yes, she's mixed, but she's also black. Yeah. And, and sometimes we get to identify ourselves as what we are, but sometimes other people do it for us. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I so that's one episode I haven't. I haven't. It's so funny. Well, as soon as that episode aired, I started getting text messages. I was like, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, so I still oh, haven't sorry. watched it. But no, no, I I already know the story because <laughs> like basically I got I got texted about it immediately. Um, part okay. of the other bit of being the token mixed friend of a lot of my friends is if they want to see if they're connecting with me in some way, shape, or form. It's like, does this happen to you? And then they'll explain what just happened on Mixed Dish. And, you know, then it's my job to be like, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, you know, I'll we talk about on. my presentation as being sort of ambiguous Latin yeah. or Filipino looking. But mm-hmm. if I, when I was growing up, I was black. You know, I still, yeah. like, I mean, I I always say, and actually my co-hosts on Blurred Comics, we both say the same thing. Like, we're mixed, but we're black. Our we yeah. can't help it. It's it's who we are at our core. It's where we grew up. It's the people we grew up with. It's you know. It's it's how we identify. And the difference is that he, like you, could walk down the street and be perceived as black without question, even though mm-hmm. he's also light skin, and I would be perceived as mixed black. Like I'm all from black people. I'm always perceived as mixed black, but you uh, know he might not. You know. In the same yeah, way. and I mean that's. And if you're if you live in a in a community where you are the only brown person there, the only black person there, you can do one of two things. You can you can reject that and say, No, I'm not like that or you can embrace it fully and I think that's what I did because I didn't want it to be sort of uh, a badge of shame by being mm-hmm. identified as a black person. So I'm like, No man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna represent. So whatever that looks like. And not only it's not just about being thug and hugging other and, and whatever else, it's also saying, Yeah, I'm a black person, but hey, I can conduct my business. I can carry myself in a way that's, that's, you know, proper and these different things. Well, I I have a little bit of issue with the idea of what counts as proper behavior, because I don't think that there's necessarily anything negative with an urban or thuggish or whatever um, behavior. If that's, you know, like, cause I, that's what the people I grew up around. I grew up Mm -hmm. around thugs. I grew up around insane crip gang members and stuff like that. And, to be honest, they may have been doing dirt out in the world, but as I was a kid walking home from school, sometimes those were the people that were protecting me. You know, sometimes those were the people that made sure I got from school to home because, you know, so-and-so was out there who was a little bit rapey or, you know, things like that. Like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. the thug mentality or the thug behavior doesn't necessarily mean criminal, doesn't necessarily mean a negative. It is a it is an archetype. Sure. It's an archetype, Mm -hmm. but you still got, you still got people that, 
you know, have a moral character that is assumed they don't have just because of the perception of what is proper. And when we say what is proper, we're really talking about what is white and suburban. Yeah. And I don't think there's a whole lot of fairness in that assessment. Um, and well, that's why code switching can be so sensitive, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, I mean, in the States, because you guys have a, a larger population of black folks than we have here, it, it's easy to represent that group that way and say, you know what, it doesn't mean that we're a certain way. It doesn't mean we're criminals and all the things that you right. said. But here, because it's, you're such a minority, if you take that on, then oftentimes you take on all the negative um, that go along with that. So you can be like, yo, I'm going to ask the as I want to be. Or you'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of go with the flow because I got to go to the bank and handle my business. And I don't want the security guard over here looking at me a certain way. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that... Like we, I think we ride that wave a little bit more sensitively than, than anybody else. It's like the decision of allowing my, what, how somebody perceives me to be the way I behave or flipping what their perception is on me. You know, like I said, my name is Charmaine. I, I have mm -hmm. a hood name until you, until you meet me and you hear this voice. Well, this voice is not my normal accent. This voice is the accent I've adopted because I was going to the workplace and I was trying to right. perform at a certain level. Um, but it's not necessarily my natural accent. It has become my natural accent because I've had to mm -hmm. do it more often. But if mm -hmm. I am back around people that are from a similar neighborhood or upbringing as I am and I slip into that I slip into it and it, it takes yeah. me a minute to get back out. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I get real frustrated by that. I, I get frustrated by that moment where I'm like forced into education, you know, like when somebody just perceives me as a certain way and they, and I've got to be like, okay, great. Here we go. Let yeah, me explain you're a walking to you. Child, whether you like <laughs> yes. it or not. And you don't yeah. get to pick which day that you're a walking poster child or which Do day not. you get off. And what, what my wife and I call that, you know, the Hulk, he's got days without incident. That's what we call it. Mm. So when you go out be like, I'm going to go out and I wasn't like, I didn't have a black incident today. I had a day without incident. But then you go and you walk by somebody and they, they, uh, you know, they lock their car 12 times when you walk right. by all these different things. That's, that's a day with incident. So there, there's, you know, so yeah. nowadays got to, we've got to start over without incident. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like I have moments that like, this is like my life while black moment or my life while mixed moment, but yeah. I don't have like a life while white moment or a life while Japanese moment very often, you know, like, well, no. okay. I rarely have ever been able to call upon my whiteness, my, you know, ancestral yeah. whiteness to get me through a situation because yeah. of my face, <laughs> you know, you know like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And uh, I can occasionally call upon my Japaneseness, but it's easier to do if I'm around non-Japanese. Like they can be other mm -hmm. Asians or they can be anybody but, and they'll just accept that. If I'm around Japanese, mm -hmm. maybe not so much. They'll be like, that's cute. You think you're Japanese, um, you know, keep it moving. Uh, yeah. Whereas black people is like the only, it's a mixed bag, right? It's predominantly the population that'll be like, you're, you got a drop of black in you, you're black, you're one of us. And then you also get that flip side sometimes where it's like, you're just not going to live life the way I'm living life. So you don't understand this. Yeah. Really. And, and, and I have to deal with that real too, being light skinned, mm -hmm. like, I, I, a cop may not have a second look when they see me, when they drive by. Where if I was dark skinned, they might tap the brakes a couple of times, slow down and right. whatever else. 
So in in my experience, I've never had a negative experience with a with a police officer. I've been pulled over. Oh really? One time, yeah. One time I didn't have my license, my license, my insurance. I was out. I was jumping out the door to go to work. My 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 daughter was playing with my wallet, and she put it somewhere, and I couldn't find it. Mm. Said, man, I gotta go to work. And so I just I just hopped in my car, went, and I could have had thousands of dollars in fines and violations, right. if not worse. But you know what? Just slow down because I was speeding, trying to get to work because I mm. left late. And he was he was good about it because I said to him as soon as he came to the door, I said, you know what? You're not gonna be happy with me because I don't have any documentation. Matter of fact, the vehicle was registered to the house where we used to live. We had, it's been three oh, years. No. It, was, it was a hot mess, but he was good, you yeah. know. And you know, sometimes I'm ready because you know I have a sure. lot of friends who who've been pulled over, and we have something up here called being carded, where you can be walked down the street, and uh, for no reason, the police will ask you, "Do you have some identification?" We call oh, that really? carding here. Yeah. And uh, it's been a back and forth of something we've been trying to get rid of, but they haven't been able to get rid of it yet. And, and does that uh, predominantly talk, target brown and black people? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Matter of fact, we have a police chief up here who's black, and he's been carded. If he decides he's going to go plain, like out of uniform, and just drive around, yeah, he'll get pulled over and get carded. You know, See, I, had another, uh, I had another buddy of mine who was, who was a bit of a joker. He was a cop, and he, uh, he would hop in his truck, and he'd put on, like, one of those hats with the dreads that are hanging out of it. And he'd just drive around, crank his music, and just go wait to pull over. And then he'd get pulled over and he'd flip, flip his badge out just to mess with people. But, mm. yeah, it, it, it's for real up here. So that's so this, hearing something like that terrifies me as an American because our cops are out here killing black people all the time. And now our regular – or not now, but our regular citizens are also killing black people and getting away with it down here, you know, all the time. So even just the idea of, like, playing with it or or – you know, like taking a shot to see if you're going to get through this situation like that, the idea yeah. of that terrifies me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. the ratios that y'all have up there of like, you know, crimes, you know, cops getting off because they've killed black people and things like that. I don't, I don't know what your numbers are compared to ours, but um, yeah, like my stomach hurts just hearing what you just talked about. Yeah. I mean, and it's again, now that I think of it, it's a game you can't play in LA. Or you no. can't play in South Central, any of those places. It's not a, it's not a joke. If they're going to take time to pull you over, you know, it's not it's not good yeah. news for you. So I wouldn't play. But. Yeah, some people ask me like, well, why am I bothered by the police, or why why do I have the feelings about police that I have given my presentation? And it's like, well, I still grew up in the hood. I still, you mm-hmm. know, I, I had different things I've talked about on the show before, where, um, you know, we get picked up for loitering, hanging out at the park. You're mm-hmm. not loitering at the park. You're you're playing we're just hanging out yeah like what else are we supposed to do at a park um and they would my black friends would get dropped off in the mexican neighborhood so that they could get beat up because the cops didn't necessarily need to bring them in but they they wanted to get them messed up and in my case because of my ambiguous presentation i got dropped off at home and then my black dad opens the door and Mm. that's got them thinking like oh did i make a mistake should i drop this little half-breed down the block too, you know, like I, so I have mostly had negative interactions with cops from growing up. And then even as mm. an adult, I, I have, I've had to report a cop for behavior against me and I was put on a list and a friend of mine who was a cop in a totally different County 
saw my name and reached out to me and was like, um, do you have a report out, uh, an incident report out against a, a police officer? And I was like, yes. And they said, yeah, okay, if you get pulled over, and he's like, I don't care if it's sheriffs, uh, California Highway Patrol, regular cops, if you get pulled over, don't pull over to the side of the road. Pull over to the front of a grocery store right where the door opens up because there's too much population there and they won't be able to do anything to you. And I was like, wow. what does that mean? He's like, you're on a list of people who report cops. And so the thing is, like, I was 25 when it happened. I didn't technically report the cop. My aunt reported the cop on my behalf because of what he did. And then mm -hmm. I had to put in my, you know, she had already called. She had already put in the claim. So I had to tell the story. And there's no justice there when you end up in a book that is shared by all of the you know, police law enforcement in the state of California. And now I'm on a list. Since then, I got married, my last name changed, and I moved out of the state a couple times, and I came back. So I don't know if technically I would still be on this list. But mm. the idea of knowing that someone, I was in Northern California, and my friend that was in Southern California, let me know I was on a list that was shared by the entire state law enforcement. I'm never going to trust them. Like, I'm just never going to trust yeah. them. And, you know, even I mean, if you get, like, yeah. the one good cop or whatever, like, sure, yes, I, I believe that there are good people out there being in law enforcement. But terrified. I'm terrified of them because of what I've been through. Quite honestly, in the way it's pervasive down there, I wouldn't want to take a chance and hoping, oh, this is a nice guy or this is the one that, you know, mm -mm. Right, no, right. No, exactly. No, thank you. Whew. So with that aside, uh, <laughs> what, like, what was it like growing up? Because uh, you and I talked before, and you, you're one of five. I'm the youngest of five boys. You're the youngest of five boys. Um, yeah. where, did you also say you were the darker skinned of all of your brothers? Well, there's three of us that are my complexion, and there are okay. two that I call peanut butter color. Peanut butter color. That's what it was. <laughs> Describe peanut butter color for the for the audience. Well, I guess it's if you're taking a coffee double double. That's what we call them here in Canada. The two uh, two sugar, two cream. That's that, that's about their skin color. The the way the cream sticks to the coffee. So that that's what we're looking at. It sucks that we have to use food to describe <laughs> what our texture is. You know, what I'm we just evolved as a species. You know what I mean? Wow. This is how it is. Like I swear, yeah. um, I always uh -huh. try to actually use people as the identifier between. Oh, like, true. But it's yeah. tough. Like sometimes. You did that last time. Like, I remember that. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. Um, that's funny. Peanut butter color. But it, 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 it makes it globalized if you eat, you know, food. Because everybody's like, okay, I can get what I can. Get, I know what that color. Like is. I know what that color is, right? I'm following you. I'm Well, I think it's it's a little bit better if we can do it and own it. Is gross when they on the outside do it to us. Yeah. I don't want to be called caramel, an exotic caramel from some old white dude like that's just not no you're not allowed to identify us we have, yeah, no. we <laughs> and we give ourselves that label that's cool and you yeah. may or may not be able to use that label but don't go ahead and give us the label say this right. is what it's going to be now this is who you guys are and mm -mm, no mm -hmm. i'm not down with that either that frustrates uh, me so what was it like being five light-skinned brothers in a predominantly white space in canada growing up well it was pretty relaxed it wasn't you know, we didn't have any major racial issues growing up. I remember one time we were playing tag football, two-hand touch, 
and I touched this guy really good friend of mine who we knew each other. We'd known each other for years and all he could come up with was you, you nigger. I'm just like, dude, oh, no. like, I know, I know you don't mean that. I know you had nothing else. And I know that's never going to come out of your mouth towards me again. So I'm going to give you that one. But why but did it come thing, out at all? Yeah. Because in my experience, if people have nothing else to say, they're going to go with the lowest common denominator. And he had nothing else. And why, why that was at the top of his mind and it came out like that? I don't know. Because I can I've, tell I've you, I have yeah. never dropped a slur that was accidental or just popped out of my mouth. Like, it's never happened. You know why? This is why. This is why. But like right? Asians do it too, you know. Like I've I've been called some things from various a- Asian people or whatever, and I look at them and I'm like, "But you're brown too, you know." Like, how did it hey, slip out? When my when I hear my dad speak derogatory towards white people and his wife is white, yeah, I guess explain that. I'm just like, dude, that's such hypocrisy. I don't even want to talk about that. I mean, I definitely have my issues with whiteness. And I I think some of it I do generalize because some of it is fairly general, even though there are individuals that aren't that way. Um, Not necessarily hateful talk. I I wouldn't go that far. Um, Plus, there's just no words that hurt white people the way there are words that hurt any brown people. You know, I mean, like cracker held weight back in the day when what it meant was cracking the whip, but cracker don't hold weight no more you know like there's nothing about it that holds weight anymore um so like anything like that never just casually slipped out of my mouth well what what i will say is something like white people do blah 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 why do white people Mm -hmm. always blah 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 you know i got things Mm -hmm. like that um little jerry seinfeld observation type thing yeah that kind of stuff right so Mm -hmm. it's weird to think of like the reverse i don't know how you hurt white people with words i think is what i'm saying I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're the ruling class. If, if we still use that language, whether we sure. use it or not, it's still, it's still what it it's is. It's still relevant, yeah. And say what you want, but we still run and stuff. So whatever. Sure. Call me this, call me that. We still up here, you're still it's down like, here. That's so cute. Yeah. Exactly. Ouch. Like yeah. a mosquito bite, right? That's it. No. So did your dad, you, you mentioned this last time too, that there was like derogatory mm-hmm. things that he would say. Was he thinking about your mother was there like your mother included in this talk or was it just like not oh, you no. baby it would, be, it would be reactionary he'd watch something on tv you know white folks did this to this black guy you know whiteies of course he did this crackers blah, blah, blah. i'm just like what like what no like he go like george jefferson I'm i like, gotta say it kind of makes sense to me though <laughs> like because of my experience of whiteness i could no, but, see you, how that would happen then I'm, why are you marrying a white person no, I have white people in my family. I'm I'm half yeah. white, you know. No, no, no. My for my dad, like, if you still have that stuff, we have this animosity and hate towards white people, and they're your oppressor. Why are you right. marrying them? Like, uh, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a fair question. Is that is and it how something... you now raise the next kids, and then they gotta they gotta make sense of this because you know black is 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 the preferred choice not white mm. but you're half white so you, like my dad doesn't like half of me like it's just it just opens right. up all kind of confusion so does your dad identify y'all as black like the kids he would say that yeah and what does your mom think of you as well my both my parents are past okay but um it would be hurtful to my mom because my mom again had a large family they're wonderful christian people mm-hmm. you know there's, there's nothing 
they had never done anything, you know, racist towards my dad or, or us. They were nothing but loving to us, mm-hmm. considering like, you know, their, I think my mother was had 12 kids and she was the second last one. So she was the 10th kid. Are you kidding me? Your mom is one of 12? She was, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And so yeah. And so she she marries the first black guy she's ever seen. So she introduces him into her family to nothing but open arms. But then when my dad um wanted to in- introduce my mom to his mom, mm-hmm. she didn't even want to meet her. Matter of fact, they didn't even go to the wedding. Mm. So do you know, I mean, I know your parents are passed, but do you know why they got together? Like, do you know what it was about either of them that attracted the other one? So um, my dad played guitar in a band. They okay. covered anything from the Beatles to mostly rock and roll stuff. Because I think he was the only black guy in the group and everyone else was white, so they did. I mean, they might, they might have been did some Little Richard or whatever else. Sure. You know? Oh, rest in peace. He just passed rest today, in actually. Peace. Yeah. Um, and my mom went up to the base and he was up on the stage and he caught her eye and she caught his eye. Boom, boom. One thing led to another, you know, That's so funny. simple as that. Mm. Yeah. Cause I wonder too, um, did you have anti-miscegenation laws in Canada? Because like in here in 1967 is when Loving versus Virginia was the case that decided it was okay for interracial couples to legally marry. And that's, you know, 10 years older than I am. I don't know Mm. if Canada has a version of that. I don't know if they had it on paper, Mm. but I think it may have been reflected in how things were done and how things were accepted. Sure. So was Uh, it controversial for your parents to be together? Well, let me put it this way. When we lived on the Air Force Base, the first couple of years, there was a family, uh, a woman in particular, who tried to get us run off the base because we were a mixed family. Wow. Straight up. Yeah. And so my dad was a likable guy. He was a big black guy, good at sports. He ran a karate club on the base. Mm -hmm. So, you know, popular guy. Um, And, uh, you know, a pretty pretty even demeanor. so he didn't rub people the wrong way for the most part. Um, so he had a lot of he had a lot of people on it who support. had his back. Yeah. Okay. So he had a lot of support. So when people started coming at him like that, he, he was able to call on that support, and, and it was squashed. But yeah, it was it was yeah. Mm. Do 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 you all have the same kind of thing? So like U.S. military, I mean, we're we're spread out all over the world in like. Mm-hmm insane amount of of spreading which is why there are so many mixed families in in the military and it's actually how people got the past to be interracial like couples my yeah. both sets of my grandparents are are that um have that mm-hmm. story do you have that in canada like is there is there a lot of mixing or mixed race families that are also military yeah as a matter of fact um most of our experience growing up anytime that we would come across a black dude just kind of throw that out there <laughs> uh, they more than likely would be with a white woman, and then their kids would like would look like me. And so we had a lot of folks, uh, a lot of friends who were light skinned like me because mm-hmm. they're like, I don't even have to ask your dad's black, right? Yeah. And your mom's white. Yep, that's what it is. That's what it is. Now, in, my, in the case of my dad, he was light, so he could have been mixed with something. 
Sure. And I think of a family in particular where they had two boys who were my color. Their dad was was my color as well, so he was more than likely mixed. Mm. And then they, uh, and then he married a white woman. You know? And so, yeah, it's very common. Mm. So and you didn't feel necessarily often. isolated as a mixed kid then, because you saw other mixed kids. Uh, not on the base. Like we went to church off the base and other places where we happened to be exposed to, okay. to other mixed mixed folks. Um, this one family that I just referenced, the father worked on the base. Um, and so we actually went to church off the base and that's where we met his kids. Oh, okay. Um, so some people lived on the base. We call them PMQs up here. Uh, some people lived off base depending on your, your situation. So, mm. but I mean, it was, we, we did have, um, mixed folks that would come and go black folks that would come and go and other nationalities. But there was a lot of the time when we were the only ones. Mm. So, yeah, I'm sure you probably like all of us go through the variety of different identities where you're like, am I this? Am I that? Do you know where oh, yeah. you were kind of throughout your life when it when it was happening? How you identified? Well, I think we mentioned last time, you know, the uh, I don't know if every uh, uh, brown person does this or mixed person does this where they live in a, a situation where they're the only one seemingly where you run upstairs and look into the bathroom mirror to say, I'm, is my skin really brown? Because everybody around me is their skin is white and I'm watching TV and most of the people on TV are white. Like, why am I brown? So you're, you're trying to figure that out. And then... Um, like, is it even possible for you to exist because everyone you see on TV and in the world yeah. is different? Yeah. There's the how and then there's the why. Like, right. And then, like, why, why, am I, why am I one of the guys who has to go through, uh, through all this? Just mm. having to be, like, different every day. It's not like some days be like, okay, today's a white day, you, you know, take off the brown, just go be like everybody else. No, it's every day. It's every day. And, you know, we grew up and we had these big Michael Jackson afros that made us stand out even more. And I was a college in my class. So I'd be like the apple tree at the top of the, 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 the class picture pyramid and the whole thing, you know? So, you know, if I wanted to say, you know what, I'm not going to be brown today. I'm not going to be black today. I'm just going to be a white dude today. But like, yeah. It's not even an option yeah. for you. It's yeah. not even an option. So. I mean, right now you shave your head and you you don't have a full afro, but you can't you can't pass for white. No. <laughs> just if you get rid no. of the hair, you can't pass for white. So. No. And so you just got to claim it and say, okay, well, this is and, – and wrestle and grapple with it. I mean, a lot of it is like predominantly white influence in your life. And then when you get into your – when I got into my 20s, I moved to Southern Ontario, close to Toronto, where there was more diversification. And I went to university, you know, a little more diversification, not the same as in Toronto. Mm. Um, but then I started hanging out with people from different islands, West Indies and Trinidad, Barbados, all these different things. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So when people ask me where I'm from, this is what they mean. I'm Trinidad or from Jamaica or uh, from things. I like, see. And so and then I started to learn that culture. And then, you know, I, I met my wife and married into a Jamaican family and, you know, got to know that culture all that much more. Um, so then, I don't know, I think it's, 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 you know, you're 42, I'm 47, in and around that age, we say, you know what? I'm not fully black. I'm not fully white. I'm not fully whatever. I'm a mixed person. Let me sit with that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Am I comfortable with that? Mm-hmm. Am I comfortable with that identity? Can I go out there and be like, can I even say like, someone calls me, you are you black? You are you white? And you say, no, I'm mixed. You know, is it, is, are we to that point now where, where we're comfortable with that? I mean, your show is militantly mixed, right? Yeah. So that means 
you know, it's not like we're trying to be militantly black or yeah. you know militantly white. It's just like I'm waving mixed. the flag for for the mixedness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is good. I mean, this is I'm I'm going to sit in this and get comfortable in this saddle and say, you know what, this is this is good. I'm happy with this. So how so about it's some time to get to that? But I'm I'm there. Sure. How about your own yeah. children? Do you, do you have children? Yep, I have a fifteen-year-old uh, daughter and a seventeen-year-old son. Are they being raised as mixed, or are they being raised as black? Because again, we live in a community that's predominantly white. We raise them as black because uh, they need to be aware of things. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, we don't want them going out on the street and thinking everything's everything. Right, and they get pulled over. My, like, no, my I got, I got a white grandma. It's fine. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and so. My son's got a box cut, you know, and he's darker and he's got, he's got black features. So he's not passing. And my daughter's a cute little mixed girl. And she, you know, she, she kind of the, the gangster hood one in the family. <laughs> so she's not trying to act like she's anything but. I see. And so, so, okay, well, let's prepare you for that. Let's prepare you for what that looks like. You know, and let's make sure that you're on top of your game and make sure that you're, you're taking care of business and you, you put your best foot forward. So you're not treated a certain way because of how other people want to want to treat you be, based on their right. perceptions, right? Sorry, My son right. in particular, he's, he's a bright kid, but he's dealing with teachers who, are, who aren't giving him the opportunity to fully express himself and his capabilities because they look over and they see the black kid and then they scan the room for the white kids and the Asian kids and, mm. and the, the brown, other brown kids and be like, yo, that's, that, that's not that's cool, not man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with their with their being raised in, in more of a predominantly black identity, are they raised as Jamaican black or are they raised as Canadian black? Whatever that means for that's the thing. And that's all the same of, thing. As we as we evolve as a nation in our blackness, you know they're they're going to contribute to that identity and what that looks like. Right. Okay. Right. And as and again, we get a lot of influence. My daughter, she wants to be Jamaican so bad. And, and so she uses all of the lingo and language, you know, watching videos and she comes, wah, wah, all these, you know, the whole thing, right? <laughs> and my son, he does, he, he tries a little, I try a little something, you know, and it's just, we just pepper influences that we have. Right. You know, a lot of it comes from media and, you know, we're doing our dance moves and it's like American dance, it's, you know, and, and really that's one of the beautiful things of Canada is it's, it's, it celebrates the diversity of all these nations coming into, coming into this land and celebrating. Um, we have some work to do with the, with our native brothers and sisters. Sure. Um, but, um, actually you told me something when we talked before about what Canada actually means. Yeah. Turtle Island. That's what the land yep. was actually called before white folks came in. Before it was colonized, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. Canada itself is. He said something about the land was called Turtle Island, but the way white people interpreted it was that the land was called Canada, but that meant village. Yeah, yeah. The specific area where they were having a tour of, they said Canada, and they were just talking about that specific village that, that they were space. in, not the whole not the nation. Whole land. Of, I see. Right, 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 right. I'd never heard that. You're the first person I that I've ever heard tell that story i had no idea well we have these little um we used to have these little videos that were that were put out from uh um from the government um whatever entity within the government they put out these videos that talked about um different historical aspects of canada and that was one of them mm. that they felt needed to be 
to be put forth so we have a better understanding about what Canada actually meant. And, uh, you know, and it was really difficult for a lot of folks as Canada celebrated 150 years uh, of identity, of being a nation. And then, uh, you know, our, our Native brothers and sisters are like, yeah, but... We've been here. Yeah, that's like, you got to celebrate colonialism. Right. I'm not down with that. So then those of us who are conscious, we had to be like, are we, should we be down with this too? Or should we be like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to sidestep this because we don't want to celebrate colonization. Because right. really that's what the 150-year celebration is. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, Fourth of July here in the states is our Independence Day, and it's uh, it's always been for me my brother's birthday, more than mm-hmm. America's birthday type of thing. Um, and as a sort of pro-black conscious mixed kid, I never liked Fourth of July for Fourth of July's sake. You know, it was fine for it mm-hmm. to be my brother's birthday or something. Um, for me, Juneteenth is is really the day. June nineteenth is really the day that makes most sense to me because that's the acknowledgement that the last people in the states found out emancipation had happened and um right. it was two years two years late but they still found out and so mm-hmm. that's the that's the day that makes more sense to me um yeah. but but that excludes who was actually on this land before we got here you know like before the yeah, white people right. got here before the black people got here um so it's it is kind of a, a choose thing i i recently started to uh announce at the beginning of the episodes what land my I'm occupying right now where it used to belong so that I, I am kind of incorporating that acknowledgement, but that, that took mm-hmm. hearing it being done elsewhere and being like, Oh, I'd never even really thought about, you know, you just exist in a place and you don't really think about that kind of stuff until someone raises that attention. Um, so I do, I actually appreciate hearing from you that, that that's what it was called before yeah. because I didn't know. And I mm-hmm. probably would never have, I wouldn't have stumbled on it unless somebody, brought it yeah. to my attention so yeah all right well we are coming to the this happened so fast we are coming close to the end of the show so one thing that i do mm-hmm. like to ask all of my guests um because sometimes we do talk about like heavier aspects of mixedness i want to know what's your favorite thing what do you love most about being mixed uh i like my skin tone if i'm going to be superficial about it i like it <laughs> i like it <laughs> I like it in the winter more so than in the summer because it's a little too high yellow for me. <laughs> for my preference in, in, in the winter months. Um, for me, music is, is um, such an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think if it wasn't for being mixed, I probably would be more narrow-minded in my appreciation of music. I see. Like The way that I look at things, I don't care what genre of music it is, if it's a good if it's a good quality song, mm-hmm. then I'm, you know, then I'm, I, I'm, I'm into it. I'm down, you know, so I play guitar and, you know, I just, when I play guitar, it's like the, the white hat, white half of me is kind of coming out and, you know, trying to, trying to get some Bill Withers in there too. And, you know, just, just being able to experiment all the different aspects of who it is that you are mm-hmm. without, without limiting yourself to say, you know what, I'm black. So I have to sing this way or I have to act sure. this way or I have to talk this way. There's a diversity within yourself that you, uh, that if you learn to celebrate it, it, it can be a beautiful thing. Are so there any each, particular musics that really like you hear it and you just feel like at your bones or like the ancestors are getting in there some kind of way? Yeah, yeah jazz and hip hop. Mm. You know, um, my dad played saxophone and played jazz. Okay. So that's, that's part of my upbringing. 
But then on, on, on my mom's side, you know, it would be Carol King and, and some of these other, uh, you know, folks. I mean, it's stuff. hard not to credit Carol King for having some soul. Like, I know she's a white woman and everything, but. You know what I mean? She sings from the diaphragm. <laughs> she comes and that's from what the I'm gut. saying. Quality, quality, <laughs> quality. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're watching American Idol and there's there's some person, I'm not going to say a, a race or a nationality so I don't offend somebody, who's just blown away a song and be like, man, I didn't know that type of people could sing like that. Right. And then you got you to gotta pump the brakes and say, wait a minute, you know, music is international. It's an international language. It's global. It's not, you know, it can't be just certain people can sing this and certain people can sing that. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. I haven't had, um, I haven't had a music uh, related what I love most yet. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you so that they they can, they can connect. So I'm Rob WB, R-O-B-B-W-B, all across the uh, social network. So if you guys want to reach out and, and dialogue about, about being mixed or, or anything else that I've talked about that you'd want to, you know, have a dialogue about, I'm open. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I really love, I, I feel like because I'm from America, my show tends to be very American centric because those are the people who access me. But I, I really appreciate when we get to see mixes in other places. And, um, and even though Canada is close and we share some aspects, things, you can see how vastly different we are, even though we, we border up against each other. So that's interesting. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, for, thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and I, and I appreciate you stepping up and taking this on. This is a, uh, a conversation that needed to be had yeah. so much longer ago. And I just, I look forward to hearing more conversations because, in, and again, the unity that it creates just by, by hearing other people's stories yeah. and uh, hop into some of your, uh, some of your chats that you have and yeah, really mess, mess with each other's accents and make fun <laughs> of how they spoke. <laughs> Military Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.